Welcome back to a, another edition of Pod by the Bay, brought to you by the Bay Area Examiner. I am Seth Varnador. I'm joined by Anthony Vito. Look at that beautiful shirt if you're watching the video. And Robert Stieg, who also has a beautiful shirt, a beautiful sweatshirt. It's beautiful. It's, I, I've been wearing the other one for the past three days, and I finally <laughs> needed to wash it. I, I let my I let my kid pick out my shirt, and this is the one he picked. So, I mean, he's got Smart a good kid. eye. He's got a good eye. So, if you haven't seen Vito's shirt, I'll show mine. We've got uh, stickers somewhere in the back here, too. Yeah, they're very small, but they're back here. Little hat mock up over here, you know. <laughs> These but, are also very comfy t shirts. Uh, they're very, they turn out the pod by, uh, by Bayer Area Examiner said just as comfy as home field apparel. Yeah, they turned out great. Vito spearheaded this effort and did an awesome job. So, applause all around for Vito. Crushed Hopefully, it. it was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was so, also, you know, my doing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I blame Christmas, but that's all right. So, we <laughs> are going, we're not live, but we're recording, we're live to tape here. Uh, we are recording right after USF goes on the road and beats East Carolina 71 to 60 in men's basketball. Uh, pretty big win for your South Florida Bulls there, Steve. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good win, I'd say. Um, I mean, the metrics won't, won't love it um, for a stupid reason. Uh, ECU went on a 6 nothing run over the last minute to make this a little bit closer. Uh, this is a, uh, ECU was a quad three opponent. So you typically want to beat those teams by like 50. So it kind of a crummy way because like their net ranking and their Ken Palm probably won't go up too much, but man, they, they dominated wire to wire, uh, the entire way through. I, I, I don't think that there was any doubt, you know, and I'll check ESPN, you know, a little ticker thing, but I think from the tip, they controlled this game handedly for 40 minutes. And that is shocking. Well, they jumped out to a, a, a 11, nothing start before ECU got their first bucket. They were over their first eight, the pirates. So uh, uh, even from the jump, uh, USF was hitting the hitting three pointers like they did against UTSA, which we'll get to in a second breaking records every game. But um, yeah, I mean, it ended up 71 60 ECU went on a run there. They did get it within six with uh, probably five minutes left to go. And then they went out to their own 10-0 run to kind of put it away. But that puts them at 14-5, and 7-1 in the conference. Um, and right now, only a half game out of first uh, behind Charlotte and FAU. So um, did, <laughs> did anybody have that on their bingo card this year? Probably not. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so just I, I pulled up for everyone that's watching the video. The uh, the squiggly win probability thing, Steve, was just referencing. Oh. Um, USF, we we I don't know if we mentioned it yet. Got out to an eleven nothing lead in this game. Uh, came out the box hot, and this was one that you were a little worried about, just because they've had such a good run of play. There's always seems to be a clunker in college basketball somewhere, and especially on the road. But you come out hot and start uh, the game with an eleven zero lead. That win probability went up to seventy seven point four percent. And that's like four minutes into the game. So it it steadily kind of rose. It dipped a little bit. I thought there was some times in the second half where, you know, it looked like it was getting tight. You're like, oh, man, you know, is was it just the three-point shooting, the hot three-point shooting at the start that kind of is keeping this game where it is? Uh, but they were able to kind of just stretch it right back out. So really awesome performance. I don't think there's anything else you could want to see from this team at this point. Um, right. 
and they did it in an ugly way. Uh, in, in a way. I mean, the three-point shooting was fantastic. Uh, 10 for 25 on the night, about 40%. Um, so fantastic to see, you know, 27, uh, 53 from the field. Great shooting there. Uh, not great free throws. Uh, 7 for 13. Uh, just wasn't consistent at the line. Uh, also, 17 turnovers. And uh, that's also pretty rebounding. There was uh, negligible. It was 36 to 32 USF in favor. Um, but I mean, they, for all intents and purposes, this is, this is the ugly game statistics wise. Like if you didn't pay attention to the game at all, you would think that, you know, this was just an ugly game by USF and they were able to, you know, pull away late there. But no, this was just, you know, USF got out to a quick lead, held that lead the entire way through letting it crack in here and there, and then just matched it with an even greater run than what ECU was able to put forward. Um, I think ECU went on a couple of six, nothing, seven runs. USF went on multiple 10 plus nothing runs to just to deflate the balloon uh, pathetic in, in the ECU uh, building there. Yeah. I think ECU cut it to five at one point and then just stretched it right back out. So that's a, that's a killer I think, especially you think you, you got one shot to kind of cut it close. Just to what you were talking about, Steve, in terms of the free throws, um, only seven only seven made, only so about 10% of points came off free throws tonight. For the season, that's closer to 22%. I think Ken Palm's got at 21.7% of points come from free throws. So to see a night where you're not quite as good and not getting to the line as much, still able to kind of, hit that 70-point mark, which they seem to, seem to keep hitting, and uh, pull away on the road. That's an awesome thing to see. Right. Yeah, every time there was a run, and um, I think a lot of people are still thinking about um, errors in, in the past where a, a team will come come out to get the regain the momentum, and then you kind of see them deflate and possibly lose the game. There always seemed to be a big shot or a big either coming out of a timeout or a big play that just kind of silenced the crowd a little bit to kind of get it back. I mean, you had three guys in double figures. Uh, Youngblood put up 20 on 7-11 field goals, four of seven from three-point land, which is which is great. Uh, and Pryor had another double-double, 14-11, and 11, and then uh, Selton Miguel off the bench had 14 points as well. There are multiple times where one of those guys, or Kobe Knox, or Stroud even, would come out and stop our ECU run by making a really great play. Um, and it's it just really good and kind of shows you what... Uh, Coach Amir is doing, especially on the sideline. You never see him get angry. You never see him yell. Does he even sweat? I don't even know. He always looks <laughs> calm and collected, like, hey, we just need to weather this and stop it. And then they get back to playing good defense. Um, the one thing that really is uh, is interesting about this team is you don't see them making a lot of stupid turnovers. This game, they th- there was a lot of those, but they were able to weather the storm and still win. So as we say, win your clunkers. If your clunker is still winning by 11 on the road um, on, on a midweek yeah. game, that's incredible. Like this is like you know, t- uh, a year ago they lost to ECU in the first round of the AAC uh, tournament, conference tournament, and Brian Gregor gets fired uh, a day later. So it's like this is a, this is how different this team is now. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way. Like this was a clunker because this is a team that had been great. One of their biggest strengths is they don't turn the ball over, and then another one of their biggest strengths is they've been really good at free throw shooting this year and and not getting the line a ton in this game and not making a ton. And then like you said, Vito, turning it over, this says like, if you just said that before the game, you know, you may have thought, okay, well this is this definitely on the road. This is the one that's going to slip away from them. 
Um, but no, man, they, they played, they shot the lights out and then were able to respond. So just looking um, interesting, kind of just to look uh, on the stat broadcast stuff. Like Stieg mentioned, the game was not even as close as the 11 points. ECU ended on a 6-0 run in the last minute and a half when the game was in hand. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. USF, you know, talking about like closing out strong. They made eight of their last 10 field goals. Yep. So like when, once, when it came down to it, they were able to produce in kind of those clutch moments and keep that uh, margin up high. So awesome job against ECU. Also had uh, some other games this week since we last recorded. Um, I will, before we go into that game, uh, one other thing. My favorite moment this entire night, and if you're not in the Discord, we have uh, a live game thread. And I don't know at what point this game is, I don't recall, but at 8.30, uh, Justin714 goes, it's just not Kaysen Pryor's night. Uh, at that point, he had like three points and like nine rebounds. Um, you know, wasn't doing too well. Immediately, Kaysen rattled off like eight points to bring himself to a double double um like within like a minute after that hit like two threes and then uh you know bounce back in that so another double double by him just incredible but yes now we can go back to and um, i don't think he was and i don't think he was totally wrong right no i'll actually piggyback off that listening to early in the broadcast um they tried to put uh because they have some size so they tried to really um Hit, hit up on prior in the paint and they did they did a really good job here's the problem then guys like young blood and uh some of the other sharpshooters were now hitting three-pointers pretty much uncontested so they actually went to a smaller lineup to try to stop that in which case then prior would take over so like that's the beauty about this team is they have multiple guys who can score on any given night and they'll give it to whoever the hot hand is and if they try to compensate on defense they'll go ahead and beat you the other direction so that, i thought that was kind of interesting the minute that they tried to go smaller or stop young blood um, or Miguel, then boom, prior. <laughs> then you got to watch out for him. And then Kobe Knox in an awesome dunk uh, late in the first half that was just like rattled the whole gym. It was incredible. Yeah, they got they got some guys that can play, and that's always helpful. But I, like I think we're pretty uh, thumbs up so far on the hire of AAR. It's a uh, it's fun to um, be talking some exciting basketball. It's been kind of a slog. Uh, since I since I joined, I don't know. I may just be bad luck, and maybe we finally gotten over it. But uh, since I, since I've come on, basketball's been rough, football had been, but this year uh, seems to be washing it all away. So that's great. Anything else on this game tonight? Before we get to some of the other games, real quick. Uh, I I think we pretty much hit it. Um, ECU's pirate script looked really really good, but you know what? Num- they're trying to be the Lakers. They're trying to be the Lakers, right? With those numbers, like the, the, so. the drop shadow or whatever. Yeah. I was just, yeah, it, it just something's a little off there. It doesn't come I, together quite. I will, I will say, if you're not in the Discord, join because every time we talk about the game prior, um, about like, oh, you know, is this the game? We start looking at some advanced stats. We go, oh, they're really, really good at rebounding. USF's not, and everything, every every game, uh, Coach Amir has been able to prove uh, prove the haters wrong, if you will. Every um, time they did I come in as a dog plus moving. two and a half. So it's funny it's seeing fun. us go like, oh, this might be the one. This might be the one. This might. And they, they just keep rolling. Seven and one conference right now. And let's talk about we'll go back. We we recorded last week before they played Temple. Um, and that was one where the shot quality Temple was a team that was really good in the shot quality stats. 
but their shooting percentages were terrible. So, you know, our fear was that you go on the road and, you know, you get some a positive regression for Temple and, you know, they shoot you out of the gym. Well, they tried. I mean, <laughs> they, they, uh, they shot 44% from three, which I think they were in the 20s for the season or the low 30s. Uh, so they shot out of their mind from three, but uh, USF was able to kind of match that and shoot 45.5% themselves and 50% from the field overall. So they kind of withstood the barrage and uh, came back and finished that one really strong too. That was a uh, another tight game to the wire there. And Case and Pryor had 20 points. And uh, he's been really great from the free throw line, which is really steadying. But um, Stieg, it was kind of <laughs> that game started and it was like, oh my Lord, this is everything we talked about. Uh, I... Unfortunately. I went big clinch. Like there, there was clinch for like the first half. And I was like, this is like USF for whatever reason, doesn't matter what regime, doesn't matter what era. Like at Temple is just a nightmare. Whatever sport it is, it's not bad. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't like how it started. I loved how it ended though. Um, Felt great about it. And it was, uh, it was a good time. I actually looked back and I was like, God, what happened in that game? Because every time one of these games happened, I'm like, this is fantastic. Memory dump. How are we going to lose the next one? <laughs> and so it's just, it's maddening. But um, and I, I, I hate that I'm this way, but, you know, we all we all have our vices and virtues. Yeah, so interesting. Looking back through that game, just the same kind of win probability thing uh, we looked at on ESPN uh, for that game. USF, uh, when it was tied 2-2. Two to two, uh, USF had a 51.7% win probability. They didn't have an over 50% win probability again until 428 left in the second half. So that was a game they had to fight through, and they're able to make that kind of comeback. And I just were able to finish it on the road. This team's got some toughness to it. Yeah, they do. Um, I think my favorite part about it was uh, listening to Coach Amir's post-game press conference. Um, after the game, he he made a few interesting comments. First one was you know, that he, he wasn't happy. You know, he thought it was great that they won. You know, he made sure to mention, you know, the job's not finished. He's happy with things. And he recognized the things that they needed to work on, but didn't make a mention of it. Just said, I know what we need to work on. We're going to work on it. Um, and, and just they continue to preach this unselfish basketball that is paying its dividends right now for, for his team. So um, yeah, his post-game press conferences are very interesting. He's very candid, but almost like there's a bug in his ear saying, no, 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 don't, don't save what you're about to say next. Cause he'll, he'll cut himself off and be like, Oh wait, no, I, I might be giving away too many secrets. If I mention, mention this part of it. All right, well, let's get to the uh, Vita. Do you have something to say on Temple? Or do you want to talk about the game? That's kind of the, the more really fun game. I'll, I'll just pivot to, to just kind of the stats that you mentioned they were hitting. Uh, Temple was 50% from three and 44% from the field in the first half, and USF shot 34% from three and field goal range. What kept a minute was free throws. They are 11 for 12, so they were down by five in that first half. And in the second half, pretty much everything shifted. They shot 65% from the field in the second half and then 60% from three to Temple's 31 and 40. So it was one of those things where I always look at this and go, 
right now USF's a very good second half team, and I don't know if they they make those adjustments and figure out what to do or get the right players in the right position, or you know, something Miguel comes off the bench and they just keep him on the field on the court the rest of the game, and he uh, you know puts up sixteen. But it's just the flip there was they're they're will they're able to kind of break the any t- type of barrage, even if it's consistent across the first half, they're able to figure that in the second half and then come back with an answer on their own. And that's just, again, just grit and just kind of knowledge of uh, the game plan and figuring out what plays work and putting the right guys in the right positions, which is just something we haven't seen recently. So every game kind of has its own story, but they always seem to figure out a way, which, I mean, goes to coaching and goes to, yeah. you know, obviously talent and play uh, coaching up that talent. And what makes you excited is it's not the same way every time, right? It's it's like you said, they find whatever way they got to do it. You said against ECU, they had to go a little more. They went a little smaller lineup, uh, or ECU didn't. They just punished them that way. It's fun to see a team with answers, and that's from the coaches too and the players. So, uh, Vito, how about that UTSA game? That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, that was <laughs> you just love a game where it's like, oh, uh, record breaking. But I mean. That was another one where, the, you know, they come back and is you know, UTSA can be scrappy, but boy howdy! I mean, I don't understand how you can go, um, uh, what eighteen for thirty three from three point range, fifty. You know, you're shooting fifty percent. Eighteen is the most three pointers in the in uh, in a game, so that that broke a record. UTSA, who's really good from range, started off a little shaky, but got there. Still scored ten three pointers, and you would think if you do that on the road, you have a pretty good shot. You know, you're within striking distance. And, you know, you lose 89 to 72. Like, that's how good they were shooting. The foam dome was exploding. Yeah. USF had a 99% win probability with over 15 minutes left in the second half. So I'd love to see it. In case you're wondering about the hot start. One thing that I th- I think is, um, it's I think it's probably mostly players, but the coach obviously brings in the players. Looking back the last few years, uh, three-point shooting percentage, because we've seen these last three games, uh, they've shot pretty well from three, and that could be a run of good shooting. But for the season, they're shooting 34.9% from three, according to Ken Palm, which is 123rd in the country. You go back to last year, it was 33.6, which is 194th. You go back two seasons, they shot 25.2% from three, which was 358. That was bad. Uh, yeah. We remember that year. That was bad. <laughs> and the year prior, they were 231st with 32.4%. From three, so in modern basketball, if you're shooting 25, percent you're not going to win a lot of games. Which uh, newsflash, they did not win a lot of games that year. So, <laughs> but to see this team be able to do that and kind of ha- have that in the bag and obviously set a record doing it is uh, really fun to see. It makes the games a lot more fun to watch too. Who would have thought that uh, just being good at shooting threes makes your team better? <laughs> Who would have thought shooting mattered in basketball so much? Infinitesimal, like right. j- just just barely enough, and then boom, there you go. Or free throws. I mean, <laughs> how many times in the past couple of years? I didn't didn't like Lauren Pickle and a bunch of people say, "Oh, you know, we'll donate X amount of dollars for every percentage point over how fifty percent in free throw shooting because it was that rough, and they would lose games based on that." And now all of a sudden they're shooting, you know, relatively well, and then this, they're winning so games this year. Seventy four percent from the line, which is 84th in the country. That's really uh, good. Last wow, year, 65. Oh last year, God. last year, 65.1%, which was 343rd. Oh, and, <laughs> and then that was a jump. The year before, it was 334th at 63.2. 
And the year before, I want to keep this all live at three twenty-seven. I want to keep this all in perspective of like, man, like they they started out rough too. Like, I I wish you could just take off the first five games of the year because, like, yeah, they had good games, they had bad games, and everything. like, I I almost want to just like rip it up and look at it just in like conference play. But I also want to include the Florida State win too. But like oh, yeah. they like yeah they I I mean again patience is a virtue. Do you know they, their record they since UMass? They're like fourteen and, and one. Fifteen. Yeah, they've they, yeah. outside of that stupid uh, UAB game where they UAB shot forty one free throws. Like I, you know, I just start looking at the other games and go like, okay, it's like twenty eighteen. How the heck did they score? Uh, shoot forty one free throws, and they were still with it anyway. That game was upsetting. Uh, Molly and I were watching it on my phone in Key West, and we we're like, "Really? More free throws coming? All right." Oh, yeah. UAB has just been killing them this year on the road. Um, but yeah, just like looking at those little things, and uh, Steeg brought up, and again, I keep I keep harping the Discord. But what I love about it is it's our community where we can just kind of chat. Where it's like Twitter, you can't really do that. Message board, you have to log. You know, it's a whole thing. Discord's yeah. nice because we can just kind of like put thoughts out there. But Steeg made a good point. Now opening. Um, out of conference slate because they didn't do many like those many preseason tournaments they would play like a game and then it would be seven days to the next game 10 games to the next game so it's like when you have a whole team that is brand new trying to play each other in gel and you don't get those types of matchups coming up close uh, close uh, close enough to be able to kind of get anything and half the time like that cmu game usf was playing their second game and cmu was playing their fifth or something it was wild it's like, well, yeah. yeah, you can't gel. You can't really get anything going. So once they finally got that, took the break, I think they finally figured out putting the, the, the players in the right um, right places to succeed and figuring out what worked at that point. But it, right. It, you're right. That early season just killed them. I mean, I mean, those losses to Maine, I mean, Hofstra's good, but you know, th- those are going to kill you. And as people start talking about, I mean, I don't want to say it, but talk about postseason. That unfortunately is going to hurt you, and there's not really opportunities to, uh, you know, raise that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I, I'm sure if they could do it back, you know, they, they have as many you know scrimmages and and live game ball and everything like that. But yeah, that that early slate of uh, Central Michigan was coming off like their third straight, like that was going into that game was their third game in seven days, mm-hmm. and USF was on their second game in seven days and so like yeah of course the team's going to be a little one team's going to be coming in hot the other team's going to be coming in cold just i mean usf was coming off of one win central machine again was coming off of three losses like yeah there's going to be you know some some repair some fix there but yeah i mean the the, the gelling of the team is is what is extremely nice to see and i i, I don't think he's getting enough credit dated reed for a true freshman is really coming into his own these last couple of games. He'll still make freshman mistakes here and there, but I mean, he is, he's standing tall against, you know, COVID seniors and, and guys that are five years older than him. And, you know, he, he's a bright spot for this team going forward in the future. You know, they, there's a reason why that kid's starting as, as often as he is. He is electric when he gets the ball. He's, he's confident and Chris Youngblood is mentoring him and you can see, just phases of, of Jaden Reed's game mimicking what Chris Youngblood is doing on the floor. So get both of those guys back next year is, is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Jaden Reed, 109th in the country in the assist rate. So pretty Ooh. good job distributing. Uh, also, Casey Pryor, 78th in the country in defense rebound rate and 82nd in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. So 
if you're a good free throw shooter and you can draw fouls, that is very helpful to your team. Now, uh, men's basketball has obviously exceeded expectations. Let's turn it to maybe a basketball team that, um, through not necessarily any fault of their own, maybe a little bit, but some bad luck has kind of uh, underwhelmed a little bit in terms of their preseason expectations. Let's switch to women's basketball. Fellas, what's the temperature of uh, the women's basketball team right now? They really it's... needed that win last week against ECU. Yeah. They really needed that win. And the way that they won, too, I think that might help because it and it just really stinks because as a transition year, um, I don't think we all knew exactly how much Sammy was going to mean to this team from a shooting standpoint. But I think you needed her sharpshooting to help bridge this gap. Um, but you're just playing a lot of young, a, a lot of young guys, and it's it's tough. And this conference is not, I mean, it, it's it's not like bringing those other uh, the 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 new CUSA programs, and they're not nothing to you know shake shake a fist at. That's not really the right term I'm looking for. They're good, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it's not like you replaced who you left with anyone um, who should be easier. So uh, it's been a tough go. I know uh, Steeg's been a little more into it and has uh, a little more intel. But that game, like watching that game, they finally looked like they were playing and looking like they were having fun, which was missing in previous uh, in their in their previous losses. Yeah, and, and this team really just needs confidence more than anything. And and that's the shame about it is that, like, they, they start getting that confidence back the closer that Sammy was coming back. The more she was practicing, the more she was participating, you could kind of see it. And in that game uh, she played, like, you could see the team kind of elevate. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was having fun. And then the injury happened. And then they went on that road trip to through Tennis and got their asses kicked, man. Like, no no mm-hmm. skin off my back. You know, I'm sure Jose would probably say the same thing. They got their asses kicked. There was no confidence in that team. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't string together cohesive possessions. And that's something we haven't seen from USF women's basketball in a long time. You know, you have a potent scorer with uh, Victoria Blasig. But other than that, you don't really have a perimeter threat like Wood with Sammy. You don't have someone that can just drop 20 on a dime and just not have to worry about it. And so Vicky's had to take an elevated role, and they're getting a lot more work out of Romy Levy than they were probably expecting. Um, Romy Levy is, is not replacing what Olsi was in that team as far as rebounds and as far as effort, but her ability to, to get points and get to the rim is what they are going to be, what they were missing in that stretch. They needed someone under the basket that they could give the ball to, that they could consistently get scoring out of. And, and that UTS, or the, excuse me, the ECU game, you know, Romans for 21 points, uh, 10 rebounds for a double double. You know, she's, or excuse me, uh, 21.7 rebounds, um, you know, in 40 minutes of action, the entire game didn't come out. And unfortunately, that's what they're going to have to be doing to get some semblance of the season back under control. Um, it's, it's a tough stretch for them, but you know, they, they've got enough power and confidence under their belt after this win that I think they can build off of it, but they Vicky, they need Maria Alvarez. Um, they need Marina Asensio. They need scoring outside of Vicky and Romy going forward. Someone has to get, uh, and I'll just say eight points. That's, that's yeah. all I would ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So last, and they didn't last even year, shoot. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Vito. Oh, no, I, I was just going to piggyback off. They didn't even shoot particularly well against ECU. Still, only twenty five percent from uh, from three, which you know, a, a Jose coach team is kind of unheard of. 
only 35% from the field, but they are defensively. They're able to really uh, keep ECU off the score sheet, even though um, they outscored them 15 to nine in the first quarter. Um, They really uh, put down the clamps in the second half. ECU only scored eight. I had to do math in my head, 14 points in the second half. So um, that, that totally uh, helps defensively. If you can't, if you can't win by um, um, by shooting the ball, then at least win by stopping the other team from shooting the ball, which definitely helps. But uh, the, the the positive thing here is you're getting a lot of a lot of these young guys um, uh, reps right now, which hopefully will pay dividends later. But I mean, it would be really really uh, great if Jose can figure out a way to kind of keep uh, keep this um, the the season interesting uh, going forward. Yeah, that's interesting. Kind of just looking at. Um like you kind of talked about the, the woes are it's kind of in that scoring. If you look at the defense, um, so if you look at kind of per 100 possessions on defense this uh, last year, they were 89th in the country allowing 87.3 points per 100 possessions this year. They're 131st, but they're allowing 87.4. So it's not much different than last year. Uh, but last year they were 45th in the country on offense scoring 102 points per 100 possessions. This year, they are 156 on offense, scoring 93.9 points per 100 possessions. So almost a 10-point drop or a 9-point drop there. Um, offensively, the defense is about the same, and that's why uh, it's not quite – the results have not been quite the same this season. So Right. Just imagine what this team would be like if they had an extra 15 points per game. That's, that's, mm-hmm. That was Sammy's scoring average. That's what this team could be this year, could have been this year, and just the unfortunate nature that you lost a first-team all-conference potential player of the year. Yeah, she played game. one game and scored 21 points. Yeah. You know, it would have been, would have been nice to have. And they, then, they, that, then everybody else yeah. gets a lesser defender, too. Like it, it kind of The effect is cascading as well. So right. really tough there. They're trying to figure it out. It seems like they've figured some stuff out, but it's just tough. So um, they get Memphis to- tomorrow on the road. So uh, we'll see if they can kind of continue that out. And then Saturday they travel to UAB um, for them for their first game against them. So cu- a couple of road games again. So we'll see what how they can do. Do we want to talk about uh, throwing the inbounds off of a defender for a lay-in? Cool as hell. It, it, dumbest <laughs> it best play I've ever seen. <laughs> Just I've got a shouldn't have worked. Did I've got a fun story about that? So uh, I was my dad and I were at an NIT game <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> and um, there we got tickets right behind the basket because nobody really wanted to go. So a team's inbounding it. We start screaming, "Throw it off his back! Throw it off his back!" Because the guy his back, the defender has back turned. So the guy does it. And as we've been yelling that, the defender turns around and it just catches it right in his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we sat down or just, you know, got quiet. But uh, that's, what like, I think of, that's what I think of every time I see somebody do that. So that's fun. All right. Vito, I wanted to go rapid fire through the rest because we're not, it's not just basketball going on right now. We've got a lot of things going on on campus. So we don't want to go through rapid fire. So Vito, I'll turn it over to you and let you take the lead here. So uh, we want to talk about Stieg's favorite team this season, men's tennis. Yes, we can. We can talk about that. Um, 
Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, so okay. start of the year against Florida Southern. Sorry. Uh, start of the year with Florida Southern. Uh, one six one there against uh, former USF assistant coach uh, who's now leading the Moxons there. So good little start there. And then they got kicked to the ITA kickoff tournament, which uh, is essentially a uh, what's the nice way it says a death sentence for uh, a mid-major program. Uh, usually it consists of uh, a four-team bracket, and the lowest seed will play the top seed, and you the top is hosting, and the top seed is usually a national seed, and so on and so forth. So, of course, USF uh, draws Georgia, who is top five in the country, and uh, lose pretty handily there for nothing. And then uh, turn right around and beat a nationally ranked uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Washington four one um, to to kind of bring them to a respectable two and one to start the year, which doesn't mean jack squat. So uh, good start for Ashley Fisher's program, though. Um, Alvin Tudorica and uh, El- Eric Gravelius are going to be your two leaders of the clubhouse uh, this year for men's tennis, but we'll see what they can uh, put together this year. Do I see that their doubles rank is ninth in the nation? It is indeed ninth in that the nation. Is- that is good. Not ninetieth, ninth. Um, yeah, they they're they're studs. And Ash Fisher also brought in a top twenty five recruiting class uh, according to ITA. So that's again fantastic as well. They brought in like the one JUCO player in the country, uh, a guy that was competing in in a bunch of tournaments in Italy and winning a whole lot of them too, and a few other um, key players also. Those guys aren't going to be eligible until the fall. Of course, but yeah, that momentum is is going to swing into their favor this year. Just, uh, just, uh, just a quick um, I- intro there. They actually lost to Tennessee. To oh, Jordan. sorry. But SEC yes. East can SEC East, and Tennessee has recruiting violations, which has nothing to do with tennis. But I just feel like I should say it. Um, right. But yes, you're they, truly back. Just, Tennessee football is truly back. This is amazing. Okay, hell yeah, pop for recruiting. Violations. But two and one, it was good. It's good to you know, and against Washington, they will play on Friday against Charlotte, a doubleheader, also with Stetson, and then they'll um, go to Coral Gables to play Miami on Sunday. Um, so that'll be fun and exciting. As ten, as tennis kicks off, they end up having very weird schedules until we get to conference play. Um, so it's good to be interesting to see that. Um, Alvin Tudorico is also ranked number twenty seventh as a singles player. So it'd be great to see what he does as as he progresses. Is he a senior finally? God, he might. He should be. Yes. I okay. I just I can't remember. These guys have so much COVID year and weird stuff with how the tennis years ended up uh, during twenty twenty. So they'll stay until I, they're gone. What exactly? Until they say you're not allowed to be here anymore, and then you could probably somehow uh, get. Uh, extra if you want and then nil uh, xyz um i'd like to see a tennis match doubles is always super fun to me to watch singles looks hard and then it makes me go hmm i'll stick to pickleball yes exactly and um, then uh our- switching gears women's tennis uh started the year with a victory over florida gulf uh, i believe that was a six one or seven nothing victory uh and then again ita regional and again, got their asses handed to them uh, in a not so uh, efficient way. That was the Georgia mm-hmm. uh, that I saw in the calendar. There uh, lost four nothing to Georgia and lost four um, nothing to Arizona. So um, mm. again, nothing nothing of surprise. You know, 
this team kind of just needs time to kind of gel and they're playing top competition. There's, there's nothing else you can really say about it. Um, they'll be fine. They're, they've got enough talent on their squad this year. And I, I gave them crap for it two years ago and, and I'm, I'm paying my dividends out now to, uh, to pay respects to the USF defense program. Yeah. Uh, uh, player to look out for is Grace Schumacher, uh, AAC all conference the last three seasons. Uh, so she is a senior this year. Uh, and also one of their better and doubles as well. That's women's tennis. They will play. Hold on. I had it here for a second. This week, they play UNF on Saturday, and then next Wednesday, play Stetson. So hopefully they can break the ship. Yeah. And uh, I think the only other thing is track. Uh, yep. They're doing well. Yep. Six uh, first place season. finishes. Yep. Yeah. Go on. At the PNC Lenny Lyles Invitational. Stuff. Um, a lot of them were running. Yeah, that. And I, I'm excited to see if the field uh, team can start putting together some wins, especially on the women's side of things. Um, they've got a, a girl that can do shot put there. That seems like she's capable of putting up some dubs. So uh, and, and throw the rock really far, which is a fun segment for uh, if you've never watched a track or field. But yeah, they uh, they should be good. Early season track is by crapshoot because it's all indoor and no one likes indoor track anyways. So uh, this will just mostly be, hey, how many wins can we get under our belt and increase our U.S. track and field collegiate uh, ranking? And then the outdoor season starts, which is when all your uh, bread and butter is done. So the track calendar for you. First two months don't matter. And then all of a sudden for a month and a half, the this team is just going to be on fire. And they they going to be good this year yeah i mean I, I, coach eric jenkins has had this team really kicking up year after year they got a national championship uh last year in the high jump uh he transferred to arkansas uh i love how the results has the llc that puts them out dc timing llc shout out pnc lenny likes invitational help small businesses out let's go um, uh, it's, it's increasingly hard, even when you were doing this last year to find the track results and what they actually mean. Cause a lot of times it's just like prelims 6.66 qualifying. What's the final? Uh, got to go another sheet. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit harder to find that. Um, but six, uh, event winners in track this week at the PNC L- Lenny Lyles invitational. And then January 12th, also six event winners in the Jimmy Carnes invitational. So that number, as they keep doing these year on year out, it keeps increasing as they bring in more talent into the program, which, uh, you know, eight years ago before him just was continuously at the bottom of the conference in most of these outside of a occasional uh, player here and there. So uh, they head to Harvard, the Harvard Crimson Elite. It's really funny how these are all like the same from last year. I'm remembering. Um, so that's in February. They head to Cambridge, which will be very nice and cold, I imagine. Um, and that's but- that's the big one for indoor. That is like where the sausage gets made uh that's it's called the hartford crimson elite indoor for a reason like that is where you'll see the biggest names will be competing in that so if usf can get a a good couple of victories out of that that'll be a really good sign for this upcoming season yeah and they split squad uh, this weekend the second and third some of the team will go to gainesville for the celebration point indoor classic and then on saturday those i'm assuming that were at harvard will then um go to boston which should still be cold at the Bruce Lee Haynes Scarlet and White Invitational at BU, where you know I had family who went to BU, so there you go. Yeah, we're in uh, yeah. we're in that point of the composite calendar here. Well, you'll see like on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 
like 18 things happen. It's fun and it's like not these, miserable. These for players us to keep go track over there. Of. I wonder how many coaches like go like who goes where, or does like Coach Jenkins like okay I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Massachusetts or I'm gonna be in Gainesville Friday or you know Massachusetts Friday then book it back Saturday and then it's a lot of he FaceTimes into all of them he he's not he's no longer head coach I've never talked about this he's no longer the head coach for for track and field oh oh right yeah okay. he's like he's like the the CEO of University of South Florida cross country track and like whatever like he he got a new title that i had never seen before and i had i checked and like the only schools that do this are like the ones that are like super serious about it he's the director of track and field and cross country for usf now and now his associate head coaches take care of individual events and and to compete for so now things are kind of split and segmented between all the different uh, events including cross country um cross country coach also does um you know the 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 distance and the sprints and everything like that so uh really neat and weird thing interesting okay okay there we go but still he oversees as the director of track and field and cross country which i think has a higher uh retirement rate no i'm kidding Uh, right for money yeah they have a lot more coaches now too is it not just head coach and name only or head coach by any other name, arose by any other name, head coach right. by any other name. I mean, because it's not like there's head coaches of these things. All these people are associate head coaches or assistant coaches. Of like, I imagine yeah, if you're really good at coaching people running, someone's really good at coaching people throwing big rocks, and someone else is really good at how you jump. I never really yeah. understood these, and I've always like when we were doing this, I was like, we need to get some of these fun, some of these uh, coaches on some of these programs in here to talk about it because, like, yeah, like. How do you coach someone to run better? I mean, like it's nutrition and I'm guessing, you know, Steve, I know, I know you're a long distance runner now or a mid, mid oh. to long distance runner, but like, can you imagine like a coach in your ear? Like, no, run slower now and then faster and then eat your Wheaties or I don't know. That's like the Gaffigan bit about being a bowling coach. <laughs> this time I want you to knock them all down. Are you sure coach? <laughs> yes. Is that, is that the play? Yes. <laughs> is that the play? Yeah. They, um, I, honestly, what it comes down to more than anything is just having enough coaches available to help. <laughs> and, and we can we can save this for a uh, a ponderosa section of like, how do you have a good track program? Uh, how coaches sounds more <laughs> difficult than it is, uh, surprisingly. But yeah, they. Um, I, I'll end it there. Steve, you were particularly interested. I, I heard you kind of give plaudits to the assistant coach of throws. Um, who is that? Could you? <laughs> uh, yeah, good luck, <laughs> Miriami Kefeshefi Machavarani. Oh man, I'll throw it up on the screen so everyone can see. It's good, hell of a bio. Yeah, uh, that's actually incredible and an excellent Scrabble word. I guess they don't allow proper names. When you can get a, an Olympian and NCAA shot or champion, it's always a good thing. Yeah, I, I, it is interesting how they have the, how they have it staffed up, but boy, it's worked. Uh, <laughs> it's she's from name. Georgia, the country. Yes, <laughs> I mean I figure. <laughs> I didn't think she was from like uh, you know, she's from Albany, Buckhead or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Beautiful. Romaine Beckford. I'm actually. I wonder if we should do a little segment about how he's doing in Arkansas because uh, again, national champion can't take. 
Can't take titles away. Well, Listen, both indoor I'll, and outdoor. He never he never lost. Before anything comes for him talking about why did Romain Beckford leave, uh, with USF, you can win national championships. With Arkansas going to go to the Olympics. Yep. And that's the difference. I This would be like, uh, like if, God God forbid this happens, if USF, if Byron Brown's going to go to Oregon, would not blame him. That's just that's just the nature of that program. Like you, you've got the money, you've got the support, you've got the eyeballs, you've got everything you need at Oregon, and you got everything you need at Arkansas. He won national championships here. Thank you, Romain Beckford, for everything you have for USF. You will always be a bull to me. Uh, go win uh, Olympic gold. That would be dope as hell. Absolutely, because again, he still has that championship uh, flag flying here. And uh, I think he was unanimous fella of the year, if I recall correctly. Yes. Some say that's more important than a national championship. Some might say. Somehow we got through all of this in 45 minutes. <laughs> Look at that. What, what, how, did you, uh, would you feel very informed, Seth? I looked over and you were like, yeah, tennis. Uh, <laughs> love, a, love a good tennis match. When is pickleball coming to college? Ooh, that's my college pickleball. That's got to be on its way. I have a feeling we're going to get into esports as like an official D1. Oh, my daughter's daughter's school has pickleball, a pickleball team. She's in second grade. They've got like fifth graders that they're playing pickleball. It's coming. They've got a hell of a lot. They've got a hell of a lot of those tournaments now. I'm sure it'll come soon. How are we not part of the U.S. Collegiate Pickleball Association? There's a lot of teams here, schools here, but not USF and or University of South Florida. Mm. Oh, well, maybe fire, soon. Fire we just don't have pickleball courts. Because if you have pickleball courts, you're using the tennis courts. So, you know, we got to have make sure the tennis courts is... Michael Kelly on the hot seat? That's <laughs> summer saying. I... I... I can't wait for you as Seth Men's basketball to lose for everyone to tweet at Michael Kelly again. You're like, God damn it. Why, why did you do this? <laughs> he's uh, just he's just sitting back right now. Probably like a I just imagine a giant cigar in his mouth. He's just like, yeah, it's going pretty good. Pack watch. Yeah, doing pretty I, well. The way that that basketball like search happened as well, um, the fact that they landed on uh Coach Amir and he might have been the best of the choices is is pretty great. Um Time will tell, but what, what, I mean, what uh, they needed in this in this year in this time with you know the way of realignment is going and the way that reshuffling of Division One sports is going, they needed those two sports to come out hot, and um, uh, they both have so far. And I mean, I'm hopefully they didn't just jinx basketball, but like <laughs> looking good. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more basketball on this week's edition of the Ponderosa. We're going to go record that now. If you want to get the Ponderosa. You join the $10 a month tier on Patreon. That is our most popular tier by far. We've got quite a few people in there. Um, That gives you access to everything in the $5 tier, which is the Discord, uh, the paid section of the Discord, where you can get recruiting information, coaching information, all kinds of stuff. And anything we get that we're going to put out, we put it in there first. So we've been able to break some news in there. Uh, And then... You at the ten dollar level, you also get an extra podcast a week for a month. Sometimes more. We had film rooms and stuff like that in our football. We're adding probably some more stuff. Uh, I'm sure during 
uh, as basketball and baseball get going here. And we kind of get you access to some numbers. Like we did some PFF stuff during football, some Ken Palm stuff here during basketball. We'll have some baseball stuff as well. So uh, for 10 bucks a month, you get a lot. And then $25 a month, every, everybody is a $25 a month person got one of these bad boys sent to them and some, uh, some stickers. Quarterly merch, baby. Got some of these Hell bad yeah. boys sent and some other stuff. And there'll be more on the way for those patrons. And they were also the first to know that Byron Brown was going to be starting and Gary Bohannon was probably out for the season a couple weeks before uh, the season started. So if that sounds interesting to you, join up at Patreon. I think it's just patreon.com, the Bay Area Examiner, or you could probably Google the barrier examiner or look on our Twitter page. And we have no, we have, uh, I think we have links for everything up there or join the discord and ask us in there. We'll get you anything you want. So there it is. Gentlemen, we're done this week. No, Nathan, no problem. I mean, we'll see, but, uh, we got through all the major sports here. Vito gave us a nice roundup. There's nothing else to say, but go bulls. Go Bulls. Bulls.